like God's got something sweet for us tonight. Um, I, I, so I was just kind of meditating on what he wanted to talk about. I, I really do believe there's this um, place where, you know, God does become enough and that we're able to trust him and just lay down worry and lay down concerns and cares and live like little children. I really believe that true spiritual maturity looks like dependency and it looks like trust. It looks like carefree carelessness, (laughs) you know, just carelessness is what it looks like. And, um, I want to just talk about that a little bit tonight. I want to talk about, um, just false responsibility that, uh, you know, we are taught that, uh, to be responsible in the kingdom is somehow a virtue, uh, when actually, uh, it's self-righteous. You know, we are not called to be responsible for ourselves. We're not called to provide for ourselves. Now, does that mean that we're not going to have an assignment? Does that mean that we just sit around and do nothing? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means that we do what the Father's doing. It means that we come to a place of dependency and we, we are connected to the Father in such a way that we're just doing what the Father is doing. We're just living our life, abiding in the vine, receiving from the Father and, and bearing fruit based upon this place of rest. We are resting in Him. We're resting in His provision. His, uh, He's the source. We're the conduit. Right? We're the, we're the flow through. We're the flow through for the Father's goodness in the earth. And, you know, it's, we have to get to a place where we stop worrying. You know, believers, we should be living worry free. I mean, it was worry free. And, uh, when we're worrying, you know, it's, it's, we're not trusting. And we're not, we're not taking our thoughts captive. We're allowing our minds just to, uh, exalt, you know, whatever thing is coming into them, exalt the circumstances, exalt uh, the lie of whatever is causing you to worry. Because whatever that cause of worry is, is a lie. It's a lie. Every single time. Whatever you are worried about is a lie. If you are worried about not having money, that's a lie. Because the word says that the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not lack. And so he, is, he, is he a liar? Is he a liar? Or is he actually a good shepherd? I mean, did Jesus actually become poverty on the cross? I mean, it says that uh, though he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, you might be rich. Right? That's, that's the exact same kind of language as, as Jesus becoming sin on the cross. He became sin who knew no sin. That you through... Uh, you know, he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of Christ. I mean, he, he took our worry. He took everything that was a part of the fall, anything that should cause you concern, anything that you are worried about, honestly, was nailed to the cross. We are, we have, it's not that we don't, it's not that we live trouble free. We live worry free. It's not that we don't have to believe God for stuff, but we act like that's a problem. Like it's almost bad that we have to believe God when actually that's, we're called to live completely dependent on God. It is not a problem to need God. 
It is not a problem to need a miracle. You didn't do something wrong because you are dependent on God. And he has to finance your, the vision that God has called you to for your life, that he has to, that he has to be your provider. Like you're, you're irresponsible because you need a miracle or you're irresponsible or that you even, that you even did something and you need healing. Like you need to feel guilty about that. Like you need to feel guilty about your diet or you need to, you should have worked out more. Well, I'm sorry, but in heaven there are no diets and I'm pretty sure there are not gyms. I'm pretty sure that nobody's up there working. Now, again, is there anything wrong with that? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gyms. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working out. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with eating healthy. I'm just saying if that's your source of health more than the cross of Christ, then working out in your diet has become an idol. If you are not depending on God for divine health, if you are not depending on God for divine wealth, if you are not depending on God, whatever you are depending on has become an idol. We are called to be fully dependent. And again, does it mean that we don't do things? Of course we do things. We do things because we're led by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. Amen? And we have favor. We have great favor. We have places of assignment, places of manifestation, places of, of uh, that the, the glory of God is going to manifest through us. We are in the world, not of the world. We always, we always magnify sometimes that we're not of the world. Like, you know, not of this world, in OTW, in OTW. Well, how about the fact that we're also in this world? Because a lot of believers don't, are not in the world. They've gone not out of this world, but they forgot the part that they're in the world. No, we are supposed to be in the world. We're not supposed to be, you know, just want a job with all believers because that makes us comfortable. I just want to work in ministry so I don't have to hear cussing. That is so antichrist. I'm just going to say it like that is completely, that is the, that is totally a misrepresentation of who Jesus is. That is absolutely not who Jesus is. Jesus did not go hang out with the religious people and somehow protect himself from the, you know, from leprosy or from, you know, getting stained with the wickedness of the very people that he came to redeem. Amen. You know, I'm just saying all of us, I mean, we should, we should, we should, we should love the world. Love the world. For God so loved the You know, we don't hear this mess. I mean, we, we, we are so busy, us and them, condemning them, judging them, forgetting that we were them. In many ways, we still are them, that there's not a class of them that's not us too. Uh, and somehow we've arrived because we got to know God by the grace of God. By the grace of God, we've got a, we had had an encounter with God and we somehow we, we tasted his goodness and now we want to just condemn everybody else because they never met him or never had a, had never had their own experiences yet when God's probably calling you to be the one that they experience him through. But we're too busy judging to even, 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 we're so busy worried about people's behavior and we're so sin conscious. We're trying to, you know, it just, it's just, anyway, Lord, what do you, we're just, we have to come back to a place of real simplicity, of real simplicity, real simplicity, just moment by moment, dependency upon God. And I'm telling you, Jesus would probably do a lot of things that we think are beneath him. You know, we, we just have a, we, we think certain things are spiritual, certain things are carnal. We think, you know, we just, we, we separate our lives into these categories. And, and Jesus just wants us to de- live dependent upon him 
and be a light and a testimony to who he is. He wants to, he wants to shine through you and, and show the world that he is an amazing father who takes care of us, who spoils us, who blesses us, who provides for us, who heals us, who ah, just is our source. And we have a source that's just not of this world. We have a source that's not of this world. And when we worry, basically we live like we don't have a source. We live exactly like those that don't know God. When we worry, we are... We are, we're like the Gentiles. We're like the people that don't know God. And, you know, I, I get that there's always that temptation to worry when, you know, whatever the circumstances cause us to worry. But we need to just say to ourselves, God is enough. God is enough. You need to encourage yourself with that. God is enough. God has enough for me. God has enough for me. God has enough for whatever I need. God has enough for me. And you know, I, I say God has enough for emerge. God has enough for the things that I'm called to do. God has enough for my family. God has enough. I mean, we, we bring God down to such a little bitty puny little God when we worry. Like God is just so puny and so unable to, to, to be who he has declared that he is. He's the one that said, I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory. He is the one that said, I will make all of grace abound towards you so that you in all things and all situations and all circumstances will be self-sufficient, lacking no aid or support and abounding to every good work. And I just want to propose to you that maybe if you're, exper- you're not experiencing breakthroughs in certain areas, maybe it's because you, you ha- you're full of unbelief. Maybe it's because you really don't trust God. Maybe it's because you want to trust God. Your heart is in the right place. You want to trust God, but you just haven't broken through to that place that really, really, really does trust God. Because trust does not look like worry. Trust does not feel like worry. It feels like peace. It feels like joy. It feels like laughing in the face of unpilled, unpaid bills. It's laughter. That's how trust feels. You laugh. You laugh at the things that exalt themselves against. You know the unpaid bills exalt themselves against what Jesus did on the cross? It's an unpaid bill versus the cross. And somehow we have exalted an unpaid bill so that it is... It, and we, we don't even think of it like this. We're, we're so... Uh, our thinking is so messed up and we, we have been so programmed in self-care and self-responsibility. We make that unpaid bill mean something about us rather than something about Jesus. We let that unpaid bill accuse us rather than making it accuse Jesus. That unpaid bill is accusing Jesus and it is illegal. Hey, I'm telling you, un- unpaid bills are illegal for the family of God. Debt, illegal for the family of God. 
but we have made it mean something about us. We have made lack mean something about us. We tie lack to our esteem. We say that I, I lack something, so therefore somehow this means I'm, I'm a loser. I'm irresponsible. You know, rather than saying, no, in Jesus' name, you laugh. I mean, faith looks like laughing. Laughing at unpaid bills, laughing at debt, laughing at, 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 at situations that, that exalt themselves. It, it looks like laughing at a doctor's report. It looks like laughing at, uh, you know, when your spouse comes and says, blah, 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 whatever they're going to come and say, that nonsense. It looks like laughing when people around you uh, are acting like who they aren't and trying to convince you to get them, get you out of agreement with who God has declared over them. No, you, we're standing in faith. We laugh at their nonsense. We laugh at their nonsense. We laugh at our kids when they're, when they're, when they are acting like they don't know Jesus, when they were raised with Jesus and they're acting crazy. No, you laugh at that. No, you're not confused over the prophetic words that God has spoken over your kids. You're not confused about the prophecies that God has spoken over your life. You're not confused about the destiny of your marriage. You're not confused about, I mean, God's not calling you to do something you can afford. You might as well go ahead and learn to believe God for money. You're never going to finance the call of God on your life with a paycheck. You are not going to finance the call of God on your life with a paycheck. And I don't care how big your paycheck is, and I don't care how much money you've got. I don't care if you're a multimillionaire sitting in this room tonight. I don't care if you're a billionaire sitting in this room tonight. What God's calling you to do is going to be bigger than the billions you've got in your bank account. It's going to be bigger than the millions you've got in your bank account. Because God is never going to let us leave the realm where we have to trust him. And he is never going to stop requiring for him and him alone to be our source. He's never going to let us uh, trust in our bank accounts. He's never going to let us trust in doctors and in and whatever. He's not Because we are not designed to trust in anything but him. He is the prince of peace. He is the source of peace. There is one place that peace comes from, and his name is Jesus. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. It is not designed to be circumstantial. Circumstances are not designed to be able to give you peace. It is a temporal peace at best. Because the world is volatile, circumstances change, and the enemy is loose, <laughs> and we still live in a fallen world, and things happen, right? The, the, the Greek word for dung is skobola, right? Skobola happens. Dung happens. The poo-poo happens in life. And we're not gonna, we're not gonna escape that. We're not going to live in some utopia where we are immune from trouble and tribulation and challenges and things that require us to have faith. And we act like that's a problem. No, we should look at it like an adventure. We should look at it like when trouble comes or tribulation comes our way. Well, whoa, this is an opportunity for Jesus to manifest his glory and for him to prove through a physical manifestation that he is exactly who he says he is, that he is not a liar. We don't believe a theoretical gospel. 
This is not a theoretical gospel in our lives, but this is a where the rubber meets the road, miracle after miracle after miracle gospel. We're not going to outgrow the need for miracles. They're just going to get bigger. And I don't know about you, but miracles are amazing. Miracles are amazing. We want miracles. We want testimonies. We want, we want the miraculous to show up in our lives and prove that God is who he says he is. Amen? And the truth about worry is most of the things you're worried about right now, you won't even remember what you were worried about it next year. A year from now, you'll forget what you're even worried about. It's a waste of time. Let's look at this one scripture. Let's look at a couple scriptures here. It's a beautiful scripture. It says in Isaiah 26.3, the New Living Translation, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's a New Living Translation, and I really like that. And it's really our thoughts are extremely powerful. Our thoughts will determine our mood. And our mood very often will determine our choices. And very often our thoughts, our thoughts will be what we speak. And when you speak, you create. <laughs> so, you know, I'm coming after this worry. I'm coming after that tonight because it, we have to we have to think about what we're thinking about. We have to become aware of what our thoughts are producing. And worrisome thoughts are like cancer in our mind. That is, ju- they're just killing faith. Just killing faith, killing uh, the miraculous. You know, I get in I get in situations on a regular basis where I'm in over my head. This really is a lifestyle. It really is a lifestyle, and you know, just recently I remember coming home really late one night because there was some crisis going on with some people and. You know, I'm just exhausted. I mean, you know, you're just, it's been a really, really long day, and I am just so exhausted. And the situation is not resolved, not even remotely resolved. But I know I'm physically spent at this point, and I have nothing else physically, you know, that I could actually even offer. And I just began to walk around while I was getting ready for bed, washing my makeup off and, you know, putting my hair up and brushing your teeth and all the little rituals that I do before I go to bed at night. And I just began to say, Father, you're enough. You're enough right now. You're enough for me. You're enough for this person. I just began to just say that he was enough for everything that was on my mind, for everything that was bigger than me beyond my physical strength, beyond my financial ability, beyond my, beyond me. I just, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not God, but you're enough. 
you're enough for this situation. You're enough for this. You're enough for this. You're enough for this. And I just began to, to say, you're enough. You're enough. You're enough. And I went to bed that night. You're enough. And you know, I was getting calls in the middle of the night, but I knew I wasn't, I was so exhausted. I knew I was not supposed to answer them. And I just slept with this. You're enough. 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 Let me, the meditation of my heart, let it be pleasing in your sight. Let the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord. But, but the meditation in my heart is not just for him. That meditation in my heart is for me. With every, you are enough. It's like peace. You are enough. Peace. You are enough. It just begins to blanket you with peace and comfort. I read this um, devotion that same week uh, called, it was, I opened it up and it's, it's from Brian Simmons, who is the, the guy that wrote the passion translation. And so he has this, you know, devotion that I devotional that I'll pick up every once in a while. It's always, it's interesting because I'm always spirit led when I do it. And it always feels like I open right to the thing that God is saying. And I opened to the page that said, I am enough. And it said, I am enough for you. When you face difficulties and limitations, I will whisper into your heart, I am enough. I will not shield you from every hardship, but I am enough as you walk through them with your eyes set on me. I am enough. I will be your wraparound shield in the midst of your difficulty. When you are lonely and seek companionship, I am enough. When your heart is troubled over many things, you must bring your soul before me, for I am enough. When the lies men have spoken bring disturbance into your mind, I will wash them away, for my word is enough. Your thoughts cannot contain the love that I have for you. And you will never be able to comprehend with your mind the plans that I have for you. Yet I am enough. And all you need to know is that I am here for you. My spirit longs to satisfy every part of you. Your mind, your soul, your desires, your longings. When darkness comes, I am enough to see you through the night. Many have found that even in the deepest pain, I am still enough. All you need to know is that I am here for you. Oh, wait. Many have found that even in the deepest pain, I am still enough. Come and learn. Listen to this. I love this. The secrets of satisfying grace. That term, I want you to write that down somewhere or put it on your phone with an alarm or something so you'll write it down later. But I want you to just let this term, I mean, I am on this thing, satisfying grace. Hey! You know, that is such a picture. The Lord showed me not too long ago. I don't know if it's because Jessica's nursing. She's got two babies. I don't know what it is. But I've been, I've been on this thing with Jehovah Jireh, you know, and it's translated, you know, many-breasted one. Um, you know, but I always thought, I think whenever I'd meditate on that or think about that before, I always thought Jehovah Jireh as in material provider, right? 
So meeting our material needs, our financial needs, just being our, our financer. I always thought of that. But recently when I look at it, I would see that each one of this many breasted one on Jehovah Jireh, like each breast, I'm just going to go there, was like a different need that was supplied. And it was the many breasts was represented every need you could ever have. And that he was the provider of all your needs. And satisfying grace to me is that picture when the baby finishes nursing. And, you know, it's hilarious. Like, they look like they're drunk on milk. If you've ever really seen me, they're like... you know, just totally sleeping. They're like usually drooling milk out of the side. But literally, it's like they just they just got drunk on milk is how these babies, you know, and then their little tummies get fat and they're just fat, little fat tummies. and uh, They're just satisfied. It is such a picture of satisfied. And this satisfying grace is this is, this is he, when he says, I am enough, I satisfy I, you know, you drink your fill, a lover. You drink your fill. You drink until you pass out. You drink until you're just, you're, you know, you just black out on whatever it is that you're receiving from him. Like there's no limit. He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 that's enough. No more milk for you. No more, no more wine for you. No, he just, you just have your fill. You get to decide when you've had enough and you you know, I, I don't do this very often. Like, I can remember a couple times a year, like, Thanksgiving. You know that feel, feeling after Thanksgiving when you just want to just, I'm just, you just want to die. You know what I mean? Like, you're just so full. You just are so miserable. It is not even, it's not a good feeling. You know what I mean? Like, you have to lay down. You've got to take a nap just because it's so, I mean, maybe you guys don't do that. But, I mean, when I cook Thanksgiving, it's like that one time of year when I break out all the southern dishes and I don't care if I cook with a whole stick of butter. You know what I mean? You just, I'm from Texas. We know how to cook, right? And, um, but you know, the other night I went to this grill out. I don't even know what I was thinking. Cause I, I don't know if it was just hungry cause I hadn't really eaten or what, but I ended up just stuffing myself and I don't do that very often, but it was just was, I was so stuffed. It was miserable. But at the same time, I knew that this was like, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about, enough, like too much, like they're not being limitations on receiving from him, that there is a satisfying grace, satisfying grace. I loved this. I loved that term. I'd write that down. And then it says, I just felt like this was a real word for us tonight. I'm about to bring you into a place where you have never been before. Now, I'm going to stop here because a lot of times when you get a prophet, prophecy like that, I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been before. You know, we have these visions of promotion and influence and mansions and, you know, debt-free living and blessedness that it looks like all this, you know, like I'm blessed and highly favored, right? It's the manifestation of blessing and highly favored. But I love what Brian Simmons said. I'm about to bring you into a place where you have never been before. A place of contentment 
and peace that the world cannot impart. You will see how I have prepared you all of your life for this day of destiny. The coming season will be extraordinary and filled with delight. Answers to your prayers that were prayed long ago will be soon in coming. What looked like delay after delay will make sense to you as the clouds part and the light of glory shines through. You must know, my child, that I am enough. I am greater than your dreams, greater than your plans, greater than your thoughts could ever be. Come and learn the secret that all my lovers learn. I am enough for you. So as you sit here and think about this, I am enough, and you let him whisper that to you, just whisper, I am enough. I want you to think about the areas of your life where you need him to be enough. And just begin to receive him as enough. It's really that simple. It's that simple. It's that, that just that you are enough. And you know, as I walked through those situations when I was going to bed praying that prayer, well, you know what? Within two days, a lot of those situations had worked themselves out. God showed up in different ways here and there. And, you know, you have a choice. You can, you know, not sleep and worry yourself to death all night, worrying about these situations, or you can simply rest. And you can say, no, you are enough. And I can cast my care. I can cast my concern. I can cast the responsibility of these things onto you. And I can get into a place of receiving satisfying grace. Grace is an amazing thing. You know, grace kicks in when it's too big for you. And there's grace for every situation. There's grace. There's grace. There's grace. I remember one time reading this book. It was a Joyce Meyer book, and it was talking about, if not for the grace of God, I think it was the name of the book. And it was another prophecy that, that it, this book talked about. And it, it, it was a picture of mountains and mountains and mountains of unused grace. That God's people, God's body, God's bride had not tapped into. Why? Because they were self-reliant. And self-reliant is just, you know, it looks like responsibility. It looks like a person who is in America to be celebrated. A self-made man, a self-made woman. You know, but grace is made perfect in weakness. Grace is made, is a, is, is a powerful thing. You know, I love that, that passage where, you know, who are you? You know, it's a Zerubbabel. Let me find it. Hold on. I love this scripture in Zechariah. 
It says this, what are you mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. But in certain translation, it says grace, grace. Let me read it in the, in the King James. It says, who are you, a great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain and he shall bring forth its headstones with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. You know, so mountains, you can just speak to mountains. You just grace. Just grace, 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 grace to your bank accounts, grace to your relationships, grace to the concerns that you're going through. Just grace, just grace, 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 grace for every situation. Mountains and mountains and mountains of grace. Isn't that good news? I am enough. I am enough. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Right? That is the, I think it's the New Living Translation, I think. I didn't write it down. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, I just felt like tonight we just needed to connect to that place of him being enough. Him being enough. You know, I've been talking about on Sundays how whatever you're going through, whatever circumstances you're currently finding yourself in, whatever trials, whatever tribulations, whatever tests, whatever you're needing, whatever you're just believing God for in this particular circumstance. That if you didn't have that particular circumstance, you wouldn't have the opportunity to have a greater revelation of God as the thing that you need. Right? And so by switching the circumstances, instead of focusing on the problem and focusing on what the the problem, whatever the problem is, instead of magnifying the problem, Why don't we magnify the promise? Why don't we magnify who God promises to be in that situation for us? If he is more, if he is enough, if he is enough, then he is whatever you need him to be. I think that's why he calls himself the great I am. I think it's like I am fill in the blank. I am the great I am. It means that I am everything. I'm everything. I can't say anything besides I am because if I fill in anything beyond I am, I'm going to limit myself. And I am limitless. So I just have to be the great I am. 
It's powerful, huh? So fear. Let's talk about fear for a moment. Um, we've got to start to recognize when we are in fear because we cannot live fearfully and be in faith at the same time. Fear is, a, is, is, is illegal. <laughs> we cannot partner with it. We cannot give a place for it in our lives. We cannot allow fear to rule and reign in our hearts. And we must recognize when we are being attacked by fear. I mean, sometimes it, you know, it, it feels like fear and you know it, but other times it's subtle. Worry is an example, right? Where we're just, we're not able to recognize that this is a, this is fear and we need to be on the offense with fear. But, you know, we don't, we don't have to, we can come against it, you know, frontally by, you know, just fear, get out of here in Jesus name, or we can just hide. I personally like the hiding strategy. You know, I like the hiding in Jesus strategy against fear. It's just a reconnection. It's all, it's all about our thoughts. It's all about our focus. It's all about coming back to a place where we are glorifying God, where we are worshiping God, where we are magnifying Jesus. You know, Philippians 4 is an amazing chapter because it's written by Paul from a Philippian jail and that he starts the whole thing with, let me just get there. I'm going to read it in the Passion. In... Philippians, let me get it here, 4. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, My dear and precious friends, whom I deeply love, you've truly become my glorious crown, my joy and crown of reward. Now arise, this is such a good word, arise in the fullness of your union with our Lord. And I plead with Euodotius and some other word I can't say, synthrike, to settle the disagreement and be restored with one mind in our Lord. But I'm just going to keep reading. Verse 4 says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. So I want to stop here for a moment because, you know, in different translation, it says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, but I like the way Brian Simmons gives us the reason for our joy, the reason that we rejoice in every circumstance. It says we rejoice because we are united with the anointed one. And it says, let gentleness be seen in every relationship for our Lord is ever near. And then this is how this translation translates verse six. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. 
offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make answers known to you through Christ Jesus. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Right? So this is a recipe for peace. This is a recipe for worry-free living. This is a recipe for fear-free living. It is a function of our focus. It's a function of our thoughts. And it's a function of our communion and our union with Jesus. It's, it comes from abiding in the vine and just talking with the Lord and, and, and staying focused in that place continually, continually with him. And if you feel yourself get pulled out of that place, well, your number one priority is to get back into that place because we are called to live in perfect peace with minds that are stayed on him. Amen? Is this helping somebody? That was just Philippians 4. I started reading. That was in the Passion, yep. It started with verse, you know, 4. But I I really, I started with the Passion translation. I started with verse 1, which I really love when it says, Now arise in the fullness of your union with Christ. And it's interesting because the Aramaic, Aramaic word that they use for arise there, the Greek sounds more like stand fast in your union with Jesus, but the Aramaic word arise implies resurrection. Arise in the fullness of your union with our Lord. You know, that's a, just meditating on scripture, you guys, just keeping the word before your, your eyes and spending at least as much time with the scripture as you are on the problem. You know, I mean, uh, why do you wonder that you're in fear? Why do you wonder that you, you're out of peace and stressed, right? I mean, because our thoughts are, our meditation is, is, is on the wrong thing. It's on the problem. It's on, hey, it's just on what is wrong. And there's a whole lot that's right. And, you know, I keep going back to Mark eleven twenty four that says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And I just think when we pray these faith-filled prayers and we give thanks and give glory to God, that we might as well just receive the answer is already done and just roll over and go to bed. Take a nap, drink our fill and pass out because it's, it, it, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. We're just used to depending on ourselves or expecting the worst or whatever. 